Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Intern, directed by Nancy Myers and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A 70-something widower reinvents himself with an internship at an online shopping company, or as it's otherwise known, e-commerce. <laughs> yes. It op- operates on the internet. The, this movie is made by... Um, some older baby boomers and I'm not sure they've talked to their children or grandchildren at all before they wrote this script. Well, I, I feel like Nancy Myers could have at least run it by like a couple of, you know, hipsters or something. Yeah. It, what I did appreciate about this movie, before we get into all of the problems with it, I'm going to talk about a few of the things I appreciated. Yeah. Firstly, it didn't look down on younger generations. Mm. It didn't say they were bad or wrong it didn't say that they were lazy it didn't and none of that stuff right and and you know even ben the robert de niro character is respectful towards everybody younger than him Mm. and he sets an example for the audience yep that i really appreciate because they can be really dismissive and rude towards um, and there's a big big uh problem between baby boomers and millennials Mm. and i thought that it was nice that this movie was really respectful towards that and um uh, there was something else and I've forgotten it. I'll get. I'll remember it later. I don't know. Well, I, I'll talk about some of the things oh, and, I liked. And, and that guy's hair. I really liked that kid's hair. I don't remember the character's name. Like David or something? Davis. Okay. Davis. Davis. Yeah. Um, he had such good curly hair. I loved it. It was so shiny and perfect curls. And I was mm. distracted by it every time he yeah. was on screen. I mean, it's a, it, it's a Nancy Maya movie. So everyone is like shiny with excellent hair and expensive clothes. And white. And expensive houses. Yes. Everyone everybody is very white. Everybody is white. Everybody is white. Mm. Yes, they are. Everybody. There's one lady who might be Jewish by the way, by her accent. But yeah, the. The lady he runs. Remember that there's like the other old lady who's who's interested in Ben. <laughs> yeah. I liked her. She, she was, was great. She was fun. Um, uh, even but, though her dialogue was among the most stilted yeah, in the movie. Yes, it was pretty bad. It, it's so it's quite sort of slickly pulled together. It's directed by a woman. It actually looks at something. It, it's I think it's trying to actually think through some issues that actual real people face, mm-hmm. like how do you manage two careers and how do you manage to um run a company and do something you really love but also manage to have a you know a partner and children that you really love and it's trying to do and it's some also interesting looking stuff. at like how can you find purpose in life as a generation that is getting older than almost any generation before because of advanced healthcare and all that sort of thing and mm. and they're healthier and they're getting older and they don't have anything to do once they're retiring and mm. and how can you do that you know, find new purpose in life. That's after, right. After it seems like everything is over. Yeah, and how to how to keep learning and and keep trying and you know keep giving your life meaning. Yeah. So I think it's got some. It's got you know it's got its heart in the right place. Um, and it, and it's certainly like there's some there's some fun things about it. Uh, but yeah, it was extremely tropey, and it did sound like it was. For those of you who go on Tumblr, you've probably seen the Steve Buscemi gif where he walks into a high school and says, hello, fellow kids. That's some t- that's what the dialogue often felt like it was written by, somebody who <laughs> was perhaps trying to go undercover as a millennial. At one point, Anne Hathaway says to her husband, do you want to Netflix something? <laughs> Using Netflix as a verb, um, as though we don't just say, do you want to watch something? 
Yeah. Or maybe there do were you watch something things, on Netflix? It was all of it like together. There's yeah. no irony in the in the way that she speaks either, even though a lot of the things that she says are more used more ironically than mm. straightforward. And there's a point where she says, What you did was awesome, seriously. And I'm like, <laughs> She's not a valley girl from the early nineties. Like this yeah. is Yeah, and Hathaway is my age. So this is like a year old movie. She would have been thirty three when she did this. She's not like she's actually a grown woman. No, I know. Yeah. And and it did. I mean, she kind of boss. suffered a lot for that from mm. that stuff, from the total inability of Nancy Myers and whoever helped her with the script to, in any way, understand how young people talk <laughs> at all. Um, oh my gosh! But even how older people talk, like it, she just the the dialogue in this was so clunky. It was oh, so clunky. the lady going on about I don't know what e commerce is, and even. Even the fact that he found the thing via a flyer, although I can imagine they put the flyers out because they needed to outreach to a particular demographic who might not be online. But um, like the way she talked about, oh, I don't even know what half these words mean when like everyone's grandma is on Facebook now. Old, old baby boomers are not like compl- – they, they are not good with technology, but most of them have adapted to it in some form. Yeah. <laughs> even that, you know, they've had to. And then you look at like the Rene Russo character who is so superfluous to this movie, even though I love her. We forget she's in it. Yeah, we forget completely, especially because they make a date and the date doesn't happen for another 45 minutes or something. Yeah, it's like two days in movie time, but so much has gone on that he's like forgotten that, you know, we've forgotten that she's around and they've got a date. Plus it feels like a much longer span of time than the movie is presenting it as Mm. because they build all these relationships so fast. Although then there is something to be said though. For, there's a bit where um, Anne Hathaway's character's forgotten about something she's talked about with her staff, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that was like days ago," and he's like, "No, it was yesterday." Mm. But I know what that feels like when you're really, really busy and people are constantly coming mm-hmm. at you with things. Like I, you, yeah, we've both been the boss. We both understand what that feels like. Well, she also she said to him, "I want to transfer Ben," and then he gets transferred the yeah. next day, and she's like, "No, I don't want that." Yeah, that was ages ago. Yeah, and that was that was yeah. literally the day. But before, that that but yeah. was. But when you're working as she is in that kind of job that she loves and she's really into and, and she puts her life and soul into it. And also so much is going on. Like mm-hmm. you can totally understand. So what much is going on. Um, but yeah. The, the, oh, yeah lots so of activity is happening. Not really a, mo- <laughs> a real, not a really great like journey of the film, but lots of activity. So now we've talked about things we did like. Um, there are two really major problems that I found with this movie. Like the biggest problems that I had with this movie. The script, mm. which was garbage. I mean, really terrible. It had no conflict. It had no um, – there was another word that I said. Stakes. <laughs> yeah, there's no stakes in this movie. What are the stakes of this movie? Like, she might hire a CEO, but then she doesn't. That's the stakes of this movie. Well, uh, the, her husband is cheating on her and maybe she'll have to break up with him. But she doesn't. That's the stakes of this movie. Really? Like, there's no stakes. There's nothing in no. this. And, and there's, they, the two of them never fall out over anything. No. Like even when she's has him transferred, he's not. He's like, oh well, that's what happens. You're the boss. That's like, Jules and Ben. Jules and so Ben. Sorry, yeah, Robert the intern and, yeah. and her. There should be. It should be structured a bit like a romance between yeah. the two of them. It sh- there should be a significant falling out between the two of them at the point where perhaps where he discovers the husband cheating. There should be a big fight there, and, and then something he has should some go wrong. Sort of problem with his blood blood medic pressure medication and then he has to go into hospital and and then she realizes how much she misses if it's going to be this tropey you go full tropey you don't Mm. like then not have any of the important story structure tropes in the movie but their relationship never goes through any conflict and even 
even at the start, it seems to come together too easily because she's kind of an awful person to work for. She forgets about him. She's mean to her staff. She's really not good to her staff. She forgets no. their names. She kind of takes them for granted. And he's like, at some point, he Apart tells from her, Andrew Reynolds, who disappears after the first but he, act she completely. T- but she from takes the movie. him completely for granted as well. No, but I mean, she has more respect for him yeah. than almost anybody else in the company. But also, he and he's, he's in the first act, and then he's not in yeah. the movie. And he's obviously he's also the one who can bring things to her. Like we're looking at hiring a CEO. Mm-hmm. Like he he's obviously got a bit more sway Clout. with her. Yeah, but she's terrible to her stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, you're a really good operator. I can see you're really good at this business, but. Other than the fact that when we first meet her, she's sitting out on the floor taking calls from customers because, you know, she's a caring, sharing CEO and solving a customer problem. Other than that, we don't really see that very much. And apparently we we saw it in the warehouse where she's teaching her staff how to wrap, you know, packages properly. But again, not it's not really Robert De Niro stands wistfully there looking at her going, oh. And the in the um uh, the phone call bit is kind of like, ha-ha, yeah, right, as if you ever get customer service that good. But, you know, like the whole thing. Well, that's what just, her company mm. is based on. Right. But also with um the with the staff and all of that stuff oh, yeah. and treating them badly and everything, she is also really like she's drawn as this like perfect kind of person who does everything the right way. But then isn't doesn't act like that a lot of the time, and then she doesn't seem to parent her daughter at all. No, she's fun parent actually. That well, I think they were trying to do something interesting there because Dad's clearly running the show, and she's coming in and being like fun mum, yeah, who you know is all about play doh and fun things and and parties and. But even then, yeah. we don't see them ever have to deal with any behaviors from the daughter. Mm. Everything the daughter wants, she gets, but she's also a saint. And a really nice kid, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? But there's no actual, like, I didn't feel like that was a real family in any way. There was that no, just felt very fake. Again, and no no stake. They, they didn't really seem to be bonded at all. But it, it's also no stakes. Mm. If there were really stakes, there'd be something going wrong with the daughter, some kind of crisis at school or, you know, she's having trouble reading. Or, or you know, she's something. mad at mum for not being there. Yeah. Something. There'd be something. Like, all the other mums did this and you weren't there and I'm mad or misses a soccer game. Like, like even bad mums did that. Yeah. Misses a soccer game. Like, it, be, it could be as simple as that. Yeah. She, I promise I will do this. The meeting gets caught up and they get stuck in traffic. Well, what and she can't make that, the soccer game. What happened with that guacamole thing? Yeah. No, never Nothing. went anywhere. What happened with her mother? That never went anywhere. Yes. She's got this this mother who calls her and who's like this distant sort of ice queen of a mother but also you can see on the other side that Anne Hathaway is not putting enough effort into the, maintaining the relationship with their parents and she's not she's ignoring their calls and all that kind of thing but they never investigate that any further there's no like not even um, Ben doesn't even say anything about maybe you should you know set aside some time every week in your schedule where you talk to your mum she'd appreciate you know like there's they don't even have that conversation no and also all of that just goes away in the last few minutes. There's no like she, she never revisited. No, after we the never. Terrorist and what email. about her? What about her sleep thing? Yeah, she's there's also, no reason for that to be in the movie. There's no reason for no. these things to be part of the movie. No, right? It's it's shown that she doesn't sleep much, which is normal for a person who's a CEO and founder of a startup. Right? That would be normal. She's working late. She's always in the computer. She's mm-hmm. always solving a problem. But she's not. It's not even like that. She's just she's so tired all the time that she falls asleep in her daughter's bed. But she also then lies awake for hours. But there's not. She's not like she's lying awake for hours and actually doing work on her site. She's just lying awake for hours worrying. Mm-hmm. And they, but they never investigate that either. No, that well, she says she's like always been like that. Yeah, so it's fine. Oh, I haven't slept in two years. Of course, that's fine. Yeah. Oh no, dear, you're going to get fat, which is yeah, that's the big problem with it. It's well, really- well, then she probably wouldn't be able to fit into any of the clothes that her company ships. Then so. 
But the stakes are so low for everything. There's no reason for any of this stuff to happen. We don't, we don't resolve any of these issues. I think we sort of resolve Ben's, but at the same time, what are Ben's character flaws? No, he has like none. He's a saint. Absolutely perfect. And he, that's ridiculous. Yes, Can't it's have ridiculous. Been happily married and also for all those years and also perfectly neat and well behaved and like, and no. loyal to companies and mm. never does anything wrong and is the yeah. you know boss's favorite and everybody loves him and like yeah. gives out sage advice all the time and you're like oh my god yeah. also there's so many really old fashioned ideas around gender in this movie oh my god that like some and some of them are just hilariously out of touch and contradicted within minutes of screen time yeah but hilariously, that, that rant that Anne Hathaway has about men these days in the bar is so out of touch mm. and so ridiculous and so, f- like, second-wave feminist. Like, it's mm. so white feminist, you know. Yep. And there's this moment when Robert De Niro says, I don't want to be the feminist out of the two of us. And I'm like, what are you uh-huh. talking about? Yeah. It's so bad. There's that. The, I mean, the gender stuff is so, like, outdated. And they also do things like every CEO that she sees is a man. Mm. There's no other powerful women in it. But like, and and when some they go to break into her mum's house and uh, erase the email off the computer, all the boys go, mm. and it's like three younger men and De Niro, who I think actually out of all of the movie have like the most fun chemistry. Their friendship mm. is really adorable, yeah, and it works great. I think um, mm. it's just really sweet. He takes in one of them and the one with the great hair, and then there's Bumper, and Bumper's you know playing the role he always Adam Adam Divine, that's his name. Oh um, yeah, Jason, yeah. And he's adorable and the tech guy's just kind of there. But the other two and, and Robert De Niro have great kind of chemistry and it's really mm. funny and fun to see them working together. They actually work really well together. Yeah. Sort of better, I think, than Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway do. They never seem to get into a rhythm. Mm. And I think that's partly because there's no stakes. We never feel what's at stake in this relationship, yeah, and, and you know? you never feel – well, I just the relationship never feels real. Like that and whole it's so thing, often inappropriate that it's kind of cringy. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And just there's never a – he just kind of likes her from the start. Yeah. Like, no, no, that's not how these things work. Like, just it, there's nothing. There's no setup. There's no conflict. No, there's nothing there. And then um, the other major, major problem that I had with this movie that every single scene I was cringing was the music. Mm. The soundtrack that came straight out of like a 90s rom-com, mm-hmm. like When Harry Met Sally, which is a great movie, don't get me wrong, but it is that era. It is of that era, yeah. and it is. we need to leave that in the past. And this music was like you just turned on the TV and it's come back from an ad break every time it plays. Yeah, and, and that was right from the start, that opening shot of them doing Tai Chi in the park. <laughs> as soon and the as closing, it opened, as, which I was is like, also the closing oh my God, shot, flashback. of course. But yeah, the, the music, the odd sort of 90s score, just, no. Nah. It was awful. It was so awful. It was so, like, I mean, I it, I felt like I'd heard exactly that music before. Mm-hmm. And then the pop songs they chose to use, they used all about that bass. Oh, Megan I know. Trainer, oh. In a scene where it doesn't apply at all, at all, there's no reason no, for that song to be in that scene. Like, they, they use music that has no bearing on anything. And, you know, then there's the scene where they're in the hotel and they're watching old movies and you're like, ugh, old movies. And I was like, oh, my God, it's singing in the rain. But it's the worst scene of singing in the rain. Yeah, but it's still singing in the rain and it's still Gene Kelly and I totally get why he teared up over that. Right, but it also kind of – it's again, they're going full cliché, full trope. Yeah. 
and they don't just go old movies. They go with like the most famous old movie. Because it's the best one. But it's really, really, like, really cheesy. It's so cheesy. Yeah, the whole movie is so cheesy. And it's so, like, it's you, you keep rooting for it to do better and then mm-hmm. it does worse again and you're like, really, that's where you guys want to go with this? Yeah. Is that really what you think is the right thing to do here? It seems like a very bad choice. <laughs> On my end, watching this movie, I don't know why you've decided to make... Like the, the Becky situation as well, the uh, in, mm. the assistant secretary yeah. or whoever it was. And it's, it's kind of sad because there are a couple of really good gags in there, a couple of moments that do show kind of a bit of promise and a bit of like teeth to them. There's a scene where um, he takes her daughter to a birthday party and they, they're like, so which one is... I don't know, Becky, whoever it is, whatever. Maddie. Which one is Maddie? She's like the one in the pink and the camera turns around and there's like 20 little girls all dressed in pink playing. Mm-hmm. That was a really sharp gag and a yep. really good gag. I think there were a couple of others as well. I thought of uh, I thought of one anyway, but, but there were there's a couple one of moments. There's one with the mums. Um, mm. There's one with the suburban mums that's really, really clever mm. um, with Anne Hathaway and them. And there's a lot of stuff around the dad being a stay-at-home dad. There's something about him being Ariel that I thought was cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, some bits and pieces like that that were quite good. Um, and I think there was one or two in that with the boys at the company as well. Mm. Yeah, it was a such couple a of long movie for it to have so few memorable moments. Yeah, exactly. And literally, we just watched it. <laughs> I know it's such a long movie for there to be so few things that I can actually remember happening. I mean, I was so like, I remember Rene Russo wore a really nice dress to a funeral. Well, oh, that was the other, ga- that, the gag about at his age, half the social life is going to funerals. Yeah, that, that was a good joke. That was a good joke. And that and has a bit of edge to it for, like, I'm sure for a boomer of Nancy Meyer's age. Right. And, you know, there's some clever sort of bits in there. And then the, the woman that he dumped, that, mm. that he's, uh, that wants went, him, but he won't. And he, she flips him the bird at the funeral was really funny. Yeah. And that, that also is a little bit sharp. Like the, there's like one decent widower in town. And so all of the eligible ladies of a certain age are kind of going after him. Yeah. That was, and that is clever. And, and I think, um, I think also that, I mean, I think there's something nice about watching a movie where the people are just good people and, and. Oh, yeah. There's something relaxing about watching a movie where everyone is good. Nobody has any money problems at all. <laughs> like the kid that Robert De Niro takes in, he's an intern. So he's not getting paid, but his parents have said, you can't live at home anymore. You have to find a place to live. Like, how is he going to pay for that? Yes, it's like crazy. it doesn't. It makes absolutely no sense. Like it's never discussed. Also, that I mean, she's not paying Robert De Niro, but he's doing all this work for her, like turning over his whole life for her. Do you know what else I just remembered? The burial plot bit. Yes, yes. Well, he can afford to. Sorry, going back to what you were saying, he can afford to do that. Right, Robert he's De Niro made his can. money. He's retired. Right, like he can afford to. I mean, he if can anybody afford to volunteer, essentially, if and anybody's going to be an intern, you might as well get seniors to be interns because they have the money and they're retired. Well, yeah, well, some, the I young mean, people some of can't them afford do. to work. Not, not, not all seniors have no, money, but, but yeah, a lot of the obviously baby does. Do. Yeah, and and but young people can't afford to work for free. And this is another thing where they could have actually used some of that sharp humor. To kind of poke at that, but they didn't. No, of course not. Um, but there is something upset the status quo right. in this movie. But there is, I'm sure, there is something relaxing though about watching a Nancy Myers movie where everybody has like perfect renovated kitchens and amazing homes that are enormous and dresses magnificently every day in like cream designer jackets, even though they have a five year old. Like you, it, 
it there is I there sure there is something relaxing about a world where everybody is wealthy and thin and white and perfect. Like I'm sure that's a thing for some people. And that wasn't what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say there's something nice about actually watching nice people like Have nice things happen to them. Yes. Right. There is something like it's like watching um like Parks and Rec where most mm-hmm. of the people on that show are just good people. Yeah. And they're still funny and it's still interesting. But it's some, there's something nice about watching good people, you know, try their best right. at life and but, but that sometimes show, fail but try to work that out. There's something nice about that. But, but you still need stakes. And, they, and characters need to have an edge. Like they make Anne Hathaway's character like this sort of tropey women who are terrible bosses kind of character. Like she's just so – she's really – she's kind of flaky and like, you know, that's supposed to be her character flaws. But they don't really – they don't really give her character with – real flaws they're just like she's she's lazy i think she's just busy yeah like she's so busy that she can't get on top of anything it's always getting away from her yeah but they don't solve that problem at the end of the movie she's still we were like we were like oh well robert de niro will be the ceo or they'll run the company together or or something yeah they never get there right or yeah he'll get hired to kind of come in and advise her no no it doesn't happen like that they never get there Mm. and there's this moment as well when she's in the car with him and she says to him you know, when we argue, he'll have the deciding vote about the CEO. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's the CEO. And I'm like, did Robert De Niro get a promotion that yeah. I'm missing? Is, is, is he, he na- getting paid now? Is, is he doing he- Andrew Reynolds' job now? Yeah, exactly. Is he replacing Andrew Reynolds? Where did Andrew Reynolds go? By the way, he went to play King George. Was- <laughs> yes. I said that. Um, no, but I thought he was like her friend. Like, I thought maybe they'd started the company together or something. Or, right. like, he'd been yeah. her friend that she'd brought or he, in. he got the the VC money, which because that's what he's – it seems to be what he knows about as well, is where the, the VC money comes yeah, from. Yeah, I thought there was something with him. But then at the one point, um, Anne Hathaway's like, you're my best friend to Robert De Niro in the cheesiest. Oh, I know. Is, oh, like, she, that's the thing. She has, like, no other friends at all? No. No, she's too busy for friends, but she seems to be friends with – that's why the Andrew Reynolds character is so weird. Yeah. Like, she definitely seems to have more respect for him, and they talk like friends do. But, yeah, she has no time for anything else. And other women don't like her because she's not – Yes. They don't well, like working even, women, and other women – Oh, my God. I don't like girls at, who cry at work. Yeah, and there's a thing at the school where they – about the avocado, the sorry, the guacamole, and she's like, "Oh, in this day, we're still judging working women." They weren't doing that. They were literally saying, "We understand you're busy. It's kind of nice to see you." Like, I'm a sh- I think one of them was one of the women who, with whom the husband is having an affair. I couldn't tell, but, <laughs> but couldn't also, tell. like, that is really out of touch as well. Which is something I think that we covered in in Bad, Bad Mums. Mums as well. Pretty much all mothers work now. If you're a mother and you don't work, there's a very small group who are either so privileged they don't have to work, which is the from Bad Mums, it was the Christina Applegate Mums, or they have so many children that economically it makes more sense for them not to work, like Kristen Bell. Like There's too much of a job for her to do at home for her to actually have a job outside of the home. Nowadays, pretty much if you're not one of those two extremes, you're probably, and your mother, you're probably working. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to – the school is in Park Slope, which is, like, the wealthiest part of Brooklyn. If you've got kids <laughs> going to school I love that you noticed that. in Park that Slope, so happy. Well, it's, it's a real hipster thing, right? Or well, used to be hipsters. Now they're probably gentrified. They're going to school in Park Slope. They're probably working too. Like, mm-hmm. that, it seemed to me, in New York City or in, in Brooklyn in 2015, most of the other kids' mums are going to be working. Absolutely. They are not going to Unless be. Unless they're very rich. Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And no, neither of those women came off to me as looking very rich. The other thing about that was, again, like, if they had been 
meaner, it would have made more sense. But they just seem to be like kind of awkward around her. Like, yeah. we don't know you very well because we never see you. And she felt judged more than they were judging her. Yeah. I think they were trying to do the role reversal thing of like when a dad turns up to daycare kind of thing and nobody has seen him before, you know, that kind of reversal of the traditional idea of what dad goes through when he actually does some childcare. But it, I don't think it worked very well. Some childcare. You mean he is a dad? Yes. <laughs> you mean when he actually acts like a dad? Yes. And yeah, they, that, that's the thing. That's why it was so disappointing to have the cheating storyline of all things to be the conflict in this movie, which isn't even a conflict between the main characters. Like, there was a perfect opportunity. He didn't tell her about it. Perfect opportunity for conflict. Mm. They resolve it in two seconds. Yeah. She's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's stupid. Why? Why don't they? Like, why didn't she just... And she, then I know was... that this is a woman who can write a story. We've seen her do it before. Yeah. Why isn't this a story? Where's the rest of this story? And it's like, I I can under, kind of understand the fact that she's kind of stuck in the past with her movie making. I don't know when she last made a movie before The Intern, but all of her most famous movies were earlier. But weren't there people... But most of it, like, there's heaps of famous movies of hers that are from this century, like The Holiday, Something's Gotta Give. Like, they're actually, you know... Oh, I didn't realise. Mm. She made The Parent Trap. They're also terrible movies. I've actually never watched either of them. The Holiday is a weird, it's a weird movie, but Something's Gotta Give is just kind of boring and, you know, old people. She actually doesn't have the greatest back catalogue. It's complicated. That doesn't sound great. Um, that one was cuter than Something's Gotta Give, though. It had John um, Krasinski what, in it. What Women Want, that is problematic. The parent, oh, yeah. The Parent Trap. Yeah, that's actually it for Nancy oh, really? Myers. Yeah. I thought she made the rom-coms in the 90s. Yeah, I was thinking she was like, not when Harry met. No, that's Nora Ephron. Yes, I know that's Nora Ephron, but I thought she was... Uh, yeah, contemporary well, I with she, Nora Ephron. I, I did too, and I thought, but I think she might. So not why be. is she making this '90s movie now if she has only made like if most of the movies she's made are in the 2000s? I don't know. That's bizarre. I had no idea. That's well, she so is weird. in her late 60s, but that's yeah. She really didn't start making movies until the late 90s. I, okay. Yeah. Parent Trap's great. I like the Parent Trap, mm. <laughs> but most of those and it's complicated. Is like. Yeah, they're, they're all pretty problematic, actually. What Women Want especially is problematic. And this movie does that too. It's mm. like, it, it's, it's got that like 90s humor that's obsessed with the differences between men and women or like or late 80s it's humor. It's got like that, ni- that 90s sort of terrible humor that, oh, maybe feminism's gone too far type humor, which is really unpleasant. Yes, that was really unpleasant. I was actually just talking about this last night. Um, my dad has a new boss at work and she did have four kids and she's, now that the secretary of the of a department yeah yeah and he he said that her group coming in for this special program that they did of the brightest people who were you know the brightest people out of university or something like that was the first group to have more women than men by one had like 17 men and 17 right. women and 16 men oh when she came in as a graduate you mean yes right which probably would have been like in the 80s right but it was the first one and now she is the secretary She's the f- at fifty six. She's fifty six, and is the first woman secretary in the history of that department. Right, ever. exactly. But th- that's the point that I'm trying to make is that we're now seeing the results of years of hard work of trying to get equality. Mm. We're now seeing that, and this is Only a brilliant just. woman who is very capable of doing this job. Right, but we're just now seeing the results of all of these years of like um, promotion of diversity, and, yeah. diversity and affirmative action. And these are the things that people are complaining about. And you're like, but we're only get this is, we're finally seeing the results of it. Mm. We can't scrap it until the results are clearer. 
Like we need to kind of there's mm. it's clear that this has been working because we're now yeah. seeing the results. And also like we had at least probably 5,000 years of civilization where things were incredibly and also like overtly unequal and we've had maybe 50 years where we've started changing laws Mm -hmm. to make things slightly more equal. It's not even close to being an even playing field, right? And it's a weird kind of strain that came through, I think, in the 90s. It it was kind of like um, the second wave of feminism was kind of was a bit old hat at that point and the internet hadn't taken off to a point where it has now a lot more sort of intersectional thinking happened around feminism and so mm-hmm. there was honestly a feminist dead zone <laughs> at that for a little while there and it's kind of you say a- that but the 90s had a lot of stuff that i mean it is kind well, of, it is second wave and there are some problems with it but f- feminism wouldn't be in the place that it is that it is in now without that mm. the feminism of the 90s and i'm thinking about like stuff like buffy and xena and and yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm. It's, I'm not saying it was. A, I'm saying there was a strain. I'm actually. Uh, the de- word "dead zone" was probably wrong. It's. A, it was like a strain running through that point at which, like, people had gotten used to the idea of there being equal rights and yeah, it was almost like taken that. for granted. But really. yeah, and there was, but there was this sort of strain of, oh, maybe it's gone too far. Maybe we've infantilized our boys instead of thinking about, you know, more deeply about the way gender roles and and stuff have been in, embedded and ingrained. So yes. But there's also something interesting about that, the taking it for granted kind of nature of it, that like shows and movies in the 90s were much more, uh, they, they used to do the, the token stuff a lot more, mm. right? They'd be like a token woman or a token black guy or whatever. Yep. But they felt like they should do diversity. They and felt, now yeah. it's like almost like they don't feel like they should need to do that anymore. Yeah. And the 90s is when people invented words like political correctness, which basically means I can't say mean things about women and people of different races anymore. And they invented that term. And so that kind of that appealed to that particular group who never really liked it all anyway. Mm, um, and now so, we have now. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of that thinking going on here. And, and the it, anti, and, and the, like all that social justice warrior. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's the same, same idiots, just, you know, different, different names. But to come come back to this particular movie, like there's this, that scene at the school where the where she thinks the mothers are judging working mothers in in 2015. I feel like really this movie in 2015, it's like it was mm. hermetically sealed in a bubble for 20 years. Mm. But even except that that like that it's obsessed with the internet culture mm. and like people the buy youths. clothes on the internet and uh, and the youths and and you know bumper texting the girl. Uh, Adam Devine texting the girl. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I texted her instead of talking to her at work where I work with but her. The, the pro- and the, like, it, that completely misses the problem anyway. The problem was that he was creeping her out and he well, by the always was staring he at her. Um, well, no, he did roommate. that. But he then he could, then he proceeded to creep her out by constantly texting her, by staring at her weirdly at work so that she didn't feel comfortable in his presence. Yes. And the advice from, from Robert De Niro's sage or wise character was talk to her in person instead of like, Maybe back off, dude, which would have been the better advice. I don't know. I mean, he has to work with her. Right. But, but he also like recognize that your, that behavior is inappropriate and yes. back off from that behavior. I think that would also I don't mean be back good off advice. Because he can't talk to her ever. But, you know, your behavior is not appropriate. Women don't like you being all up in their business. It's like nobody does. No. Well, that's right. Anyway. But yeah, that, that was such, uh, but that tra- character is in everything. It's all, and it's so mm. often played by him. Mm. Um, but it's such a sort of lazy, it's just, it's lazy. Yeah, it is. And anyway. it, and it always comes down on the side of the dude. Oh, the poor guy. He was, he means well. Yes. Like, 
cool motive, still murder, you know? Yeah, that stuff. It, it does always come down on the side of the guy, which is weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. shall we yeah. wrap it up? What are you giving it? I'm going to give it one and a half stars. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going. I think I, I do did think that – I mean, I think some of the performances were good. Robert De Niro was so sweet and likable. Mm, and, and I really like Anne Hathaway as well. I do too. But I think her character was harder to work with. Yeah, and, I, I and she had a, a rough time of, of it. I liked a lot of the actors in this movie. We We spent like the first – 15 minutes of this movie going, oh, it's that guy and that yeah. guy and stuff. And I'm so here for the career resurgence of Renee Russo once she picks a movie that's good to mm. – oh, she was in Nightcrawler. I liked her in that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's um, it's so badly written. Yeah, no. I just can't get past that. Yeah, I think I can only go for maybe one and a half stars on this as well, unfortunately. I wanted to, but just didn't work out that way. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find old episodes or read our show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of The Intern or any of the other movies that she watches, you can do that on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. I just realized we said 70-something widower at the top of the episode. He's 70. Yeah, I know. I know that. It just sounded better. I just remembered. I went, yeah, I know. I knew that when I went to write it. I cool. just chose not to. <laughs> okay. See you next time. Bye. Bye.